Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leatherwork, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at SheaButlerKnives.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Thanks to our partners over at Tether. Tether makes premium saddle gear by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. They just dropped some new gear like the MVP, which can turn your saddle into a two panel or just a more rigid back support and also some new suspenders. So if your saddle tends to sag, grab a pair and both items are retrofitted. So it doesn't matter what saddle or brand you have, they're going to work. Check them out at tethernation.com. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out 
over at SpartanForge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. We are on episode 108, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I, we were joined by First Light's Whitetail product line manager, Greg Farrell, as well as Josh Hilliard, who is the Whitetail community manager. It was a great pleasure having these two individuals on answer some questions that you had and some questions we had. We had fun talking about why and how the new Whitetail pattern Spectre was developed their layering systems and go-to pieces that we think you should have. If you are in the market for some new whitetail gear, definitely check out what First Light has to offer because over the last three years, everything I've used, I've loved it. And uh, I can't speak highly enough of it, so definitely check it out. Enjoy this fun episode. Antler up. Everybody, we're live. We got some people on with us, which is great. And uh, we have Greg Farrell on, who is the product line manager for First Light. And we got Josh Hillard on, which is the community whitetail manager. Uh, gentlemen, again, thank you so much for coming out and, and doing this, taking that time out. I know how busy you two are. <laughs> and uh, uh, answer some questions that we have from our listeners. And I guess, you know, too, once we answer a few, we could talk a little bit about how your seasons went, just because I've had, you know, we text message here and there, is Greg, you know, throughout the year and everything. And, uh, but to get a chance to hear it from you, it, it, it's uh, a lot more fun and cooler. Definitely. Well, all right, guys. Well, here's, here's what we got going on. So, like I said to you a little bit ago, we had some of our people following us on Instagram and actually on Facebook as well. I wrote down some some questions, and some of them I know we're probably not going to be able to get to or answer just because of you know your the secrecy of of when new things want to come out. <laughs> um, but so one of the questions, though, just to kick it off, talking whitetail, and I think uh, Greg, this would be kind of your uh, bread and butter and your baby. You know, the main reason I guess for creating Spectre. You know, you want to dive into talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, how much time you got? Oh man, <laughs> we we got all night, dude. Feel free to cut me off. I can be long winded on this subject. Um, no, but you know, all jokes aside, you know, at First Light, we had previously created two of our own proprietary patterns, uh, both Fusion and Cipher, and really, you know, with both of those patterns, what we did is we used, you know, essentially a scientific algorithm that looked at different shapes, you know, colors, textures, patterns that exist in nature. Um, and you know, the ratios of, of micro to macro, um, shapes in both those patterns. And, you know, the first one we built was fusion. And what we wanted with fusion was we wanted a pattern that was super versatile, you know, that would work in a wide range of environments, east to west, north to south, um, and really focused on what makes, camouflage effective, which is breaking up the human outline. Um, so Fusion was incredibly successful at doing that. Um, we used Fusion for a long time. We still use Fusion, you know, I would say in, in a lot of our pursuits. Um, but the, the, what we saw a need for, you know, at, and at this point we were still largely a Western-based company, um, making mostly Western hunting gear. Um, and what we saw a need for at that point was a little bit more, uh, a pattern that was a little more specific to arid environments, um, open environments where you didn't have as much green, you didn't have as much dark, et cetera. Um, and those open environments, you know, more of a macro pattern versus micro tends to excel. 
Um, so we kind of played with that algorithm, opened that pattern up a bit, changed the macro to micro ratio, changed the palette a bit, and that was really where Cypher was born. Um, and for a long time, we used both of those patterns in whitetail environments super successfully. Um, I used them for almost my, you know, my whole career hunting leading up to my starting to work at First Light and then afterwards. But the more time we spent digging into whitetail specifically, um, the more we saw um, the not necessarily the need, but the want or the opportunity to really optimize what we already knew about um, creating camouflage patterns and creating one that was really optimized for whitetail. Um, and that's kind of the word I always go to with Spectre because I'm not gonna tell you that Fusion or Cypher doesn't work in the whitetail woods. It works great, right? But especially in the whitetail woods, when you're dealing with critters um, that are super high strung, they're always yeah. on, right? Like it's a game of percentages. And we knew there was an opportunity to make those patterns better for a whitetail specific environment. And that's what we did. So we spent about, almost three years in development and testing in that pattern. Um, we used kind of the foundation that we used to create Fusion and Cypher as our starting point, but really we just started modifying and altering. Um, one of the big things that we changed with Spectre versus Fusion and Cypher was the micro to macro ratio. Um, and why that's so important in the whitetail world is, you know, if you're sitting on the edge of a food plot and your target buck pops out on the other side of the plot, say he's 300 yards away, you really need a macro aspect of that pattern to break up your outline at those distances because without that, you just look like a blob, right? Mm. And it's almost the antithesis of camouflage. So you need a pattern that's going to perform at those distances, but then you really need a pattern that performs in that deer, you know, what I call like the hot zone, right? When that deer's 30 yards and in and you're actually thinking about drawing your bow, you know, you're waiting for that shot opportunity, it needs to perform almost better in that environment. So we altered that micro to macro ratio based off of how deer see um, and what's effective at those different ranges. Um, we also altered the pattern based off of engagement angles. So both fusion and cypher being Western patterns were developed. The animal's gonna be looking at you, right? Because you're hunting on the ground. You're at ground level with that animal or close to, we'll call it. Where when you're in a tree stand or you're in a saddle, you know, which 99% of the time when hunting whitetails you are, that engagement just or that engagement angle changes. So we really maximize that pattern for the specific engagement angles um, that deer are typically looking up at us while we're hunting them. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other big difference, you know, not to go into too many details, is that the 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 final kind of big difference or thing that we use as an input to change this algorithm was the fact that when you're up in a tree, regardless of how much foliage there is, time of year, um, etc., geography the sky is always behind you. So you're always quote unquote skyline. Now, the better job you do of setting up in your tree, the less of an effect that has, but the lightest color, right? Or the, your light source is essentially always directly behind you, especially when something's looking up at you. So really honing in on the Pantones or the colors that we used and making sure that those were in the correct orientation that adds a ton of depth to the pattern, knowing that that lightest color is always behind you. You know, those are some of the inputs that we changed. There's a million other things we did too, but those are really the main inputs that we changed to optimize a pattern, you know, specifically for whitetail hunters. Now, can you elaborate a little bit on some of the testing that goes in on some of these new patterns? Maybe you can, maybe you can't, um, yeah. that someone kind of doesn't understand besides just getting in the tree and seeing if it works while you're out mm -hmm. in the woods hunting. 
Totally. No, that's a great question. So um, I like to think of this whole testing phase essentially as a funnel, right? So at the very beginning, that's your widest portion of the funnel. And you're kind of just always getting, you're always honing in, you're getting narrower and narrower, right? So for us, like the biggest portion of that funnel, we had a great foundation for. We knew how to create camouflage that was effective at breaking up the human outline because we had done it with Fusion and Cypher. So that's kind of your starting point, right? Like we're using that as our foundation. You know, the next step of that is changing that algorithm, like the things I just talked about, right? And kind of seeing what that spits out in terms of if we change these inputs, what do we get as a different output? And kind of honing those things in, right? The next step down the funnel is we spent a ton of time looking at actually the scientific research behind not only undulate eyes, but specifically deer eyes, right? right? So like what are deer really good at seeing and what are deer not very good at seeing? And how does that then change the inputs again, right? So you change your inputs, you get an output. The next step after that was we started talking with and working with um, some folks in you know, the science space. A lot of them work for different universities, their professors, et cetera, that have spent a bunch of time studying the same things that we were kind of using as inputs and outputs to verify like, hey, you know, is this correct? Is this ratio appropriate? You know, with this input, are we getting the correct output, et cetera? And I look at that as like, all of this to me is kind of like lab and in-house testing, right? That's all the stuff that gets us to a certain point where we have a product that based on all these inputs, it's like, this is the best output. This is the thing that's optimized for the pursuit. But then it's when it actually really gets fun, right? Because I always joke, like, we don't kill deer in a lab, you know, <laughs> we kill deer in the woods. So that's when you get to take that, you know, call that prototype one, right? And you go out in the field and you spend a ton of hours, put it on a ton of people, right? And you get real world, like real woods evidence of like what's working, what's not. How does it look in this geographic region? How does it work in this geographic region? How's it working in, you know, morning sun versus afternoon sun, early season versus late season? And that's what's really important to me is like at the end of the day, what's what's important to me is that the person that's spending their hard-earned money is confident that they have the best pattern for their pursuit when they get that package in the mail. So, you know, call it that initial funnel was maybe the first year or so, eight months or so of quote unquote testing. And then it was two full seasons, you know, across, I don't know, we probably had it on a hundred different people over the course of two seasons, right? And getting that feedback, making changes and just kind of constantly honing things in until we had the best product we could possibly make. Dude, kudos to Taylor Chamberlain for not blowing that one. (laughs) 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 Oh man, no, that dude, I'm, and I'm sitting here and I'm writing certain things down because I, I remember certain parts of, of the hunt this year of certain hunts. And I'm like, this camouflage and uh, this pattern is just flourishing right now. Like I'm th- I wrote down like the evening hunt in the shadows, like how you were saying that specific time frame, like just that the palette of that, just the way in the evenings from where I, where we hunt on our mountain, it's, it's just, it's dynamite. Um, and I think too, when it was, man, what was it like that middle October, just the colors with the reds and just certain that the palette was just a spot on. And like you said, just the depth of everything just seemed to always be right like I remember going back home and being with my dad my dad's a big cypher fan like he's just like nothing beats cypher you know and uh when when uh it was that hunt it was the middle of October and uh it was after that buck that I sent you that one picture of and yeah I was coming out and he's like he came he's like you know what Jer 
I, I would definitely wear that. He's like, that looks really like, he's like, it just breaks up. It just, it does what it needs to do. And I just said, yeah, I said, you know, that, you know, kind of the, the short winded version was just saying they did a lot of testing and, you know, I trust Greg and, and what, what the, they were doing then in the lab and it just looks good, man. I, I give it, you know, again, I, I give it to you guys cause it's, it's a great pattern. Well, and you bring up a, another good point too. We hunt whitetails in such a diverse environment, right? Like mm-hmm. you in the hills of PA, if I'm in the Midwest, you know, or, you know, whatever, Kansas, the Dakotas, Nebraska, you know, all the way down in the Southeast, right? Like Georgia, Florida, all of these environments looked, look so different at different times in the year. And like, it was really important to me that you shouldn't be buying different patterns to do the same thing, right? Like if you're going to spend your hard earned money, like that pattern needs to work for you across geographical ranges and also across your season. So the versatility of that pattern and making sure that it, it flourished to your point in all those environments and all those seasonalities of a whitetail hunt, like that was really important and something we spent a ton of time on. Yeah. Josh, how about you? What did you think of that new pattern when when it was released? And because you, did you wear more so a fusion compared to Cipher from from coming from that to to Spectre? Yeah, I was I was wearing fusion primarily um, before before Spectre this year. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think um, I, I can pinpoint a couple of times this year where uh, actually a, a hunt in Pennsylvania, um, the morning hunt um, in early October, still a lot of leaf cover up and. Um, we had a couple of does come in and just, they could, they could tell something wasn't up. They like, uh, they, they smelled us, I think probably. And, and, um, they, they were like looking up in the tree. They were like doing the head bob. They couldn't quite tell what we were. They'd kind of trot off and then they'd, they'd circle back around. They did this like three times. Yeah. I think they just knew something was up, but couldn't like pinpoint what it was. Um, I, I really think that pattern from that elevated position was, was a, was a helpful in that scenario. Um, that's just one, one specific scenario that sticks out, but yeah, I was, I was primarily a fusion guy, um, uh, before this year. No, that's cool. Cause that's what you wore a lot. Yeah. I was a fusion and you know, when the specter came out, if anyone's kind of on the fence about the pattern, I mean, we know it works and we know it looks great, but I know for me, when, when you got your gear in first yeah. <laughs> of, of all the specter camo, I mean, it looks way better even mm-hmm. in person than it does, you know, seeing Digitally. pictures online and, you know, kind of hard to do the, does it justice. But, you know, when you get that in your hands, it really makes a difference. And, you know, even when I shot my buck this year, I had the, uh, um, solitude vest on. And when that buck got the 25 yards, I mean, I don't know what, cause I had the wind in my favor and he looked right up at me. Like he knew I was there. Um, but again, just like Josh said, didn't know what was going on. Couldn't quite make me out. He had me pinned, but you know, I covered me up enough where he didn't, you know, wasn't spooked and then kind of just, uh, kept walking and then finally got a shot at him. So definitely, you yeah. know, and that's, first-hand that's experience. And that's November. Yep. Yeah. That was, uh, November, the leaves are off and, um, kind of like Greg said, you know, in Pennsylvania, you start the season mm-hmm. in October. I mean, everything's green, right? And pretty bright green. And then the leaves turn to, you know, your red and your orange and some browns. And then the leaves fall. And then basically in Pennsylvania, I mean, during the rut, it's basically all brown, right? Yeah. You know, um, leaves on the ground, but up in the trees, you're basically dark browns, light browns, depending on what tree you're in. Yeah. And that's where, I, again, I go back to the shadow. Like, I think when you, 
the way that hits in the shadows, it just kind of darkens you up a little bit even more and just, it breaks it up in the, in the right way. No, that's, that's awesome. That That's great detail. And I appreciate you guys diving into that one. Um, and then, uh, actually, Greg, I don't mean to put you on the spot again, but this one actually was uh, a buddy of mine and you're, you're wearing it. So I, I have to ask it. Um, <laughs> When are the five panel hats coming back in stock and will we get one <laughs> inspector? <laughs> you know, I feel like we should have had somebody from our operations team. That would have been a great, great one to put on that. No, we, uh, <clears throat> so we have, you know, bulk orders coming in like, yeah. with our typical time frame. So most of this stuff is showing up, you know, spring, um, early spring into middle spring. And then the latest stuff, which is most of the time our, you know, like our latest season cold weather gear hits right at the beginning of summer. So you'll see all of that stuff come back into stock with all the new releases for 22, um, as well as inline stuff and kind of that spring time frame. Um, there will be five panel hats and there will be a five panel hat inspector. Heck yeah, man. That's awesome. No, that's, that's Greg good. Just created this like cult following of, of five panel hats. <laughs> Dude, I, that's what I wore when, when we went out to Utah. That thing was just so breathable and just, you know, I don't know. It, it was uh, it was the money hat to, to have, especially out west. It's my favorite, too, and I feel like I got to fight the good fight, you know, make sure this <laughs> thing stays in the line and we keep pumping them up. That's awesome. Uh, Josh, I got to get one just see if I can pull it off. I, I'm not sure I could pull one of those off. No. <laughs> Josh, you talked about coming to PA. You had success here in PA, didn't you? Yeah, yep. Yep. Um, so that was kind of my, I guess that would have been my second hunt, um, with first light as like a work style hunt. And, and, uh, you did that with Levi, and, right? Yep. Nice. Yep. Myself and Kevin Harlander out there at Levi's place for about a week in, uh, mid October and just, uh, had a great time out there. It was my first time really spending any sort of time in Pennsylvania, um, either just on my own or hunting. So, um, uh, it was a beautiful state. Um, not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> so <laughs> much more like, like some, you know, much more mountainous and, and things than, than, the, uh, than what I was expecting. It was, um, I was expecting just some like rolling Hills and stuff, maybe like Southern Ohio, but it was, um, definitely a mountainous region for sure. Yeah. I, that was really cool. And a cool buck too, that you ended up shooting and taking and any, uh, anything stick out about that hunt particular that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. I mean that, that hunt was mid October and, um, we were really starting to see a lot of activity, um, pick up around scrapes. Um, so we were primarily hunting different scrapes. Um, and we'd actually started hunting mornings too, which, um, was probably a little early to start doing that, but just given we had a limited time, we were just going to get as much time in a tree as we could. And, um, man, Levi had all sorts of action on cameras that week just with bucks hitting scrapes and really starting to ramp up a little bit. And, um, so I ended up killing the buck I shot like the first full day. It was the second night we were there, first full day, and um, actually had a different uh, a different buck that we were in there after too, um, like an old seven point in there. Um, he had a scrape, and then he started bumping around some does, um, and he was grunting and like is he was he was feeling his oats. You know, he was he was like ready to go, and he actually chased a doe out of this food plot and kind of up over this berm, and he was he was down across the road across the hill and. It's like, oh, geez, you know, we didn't have much time left. It was getting close to dark and they got, well, there goes that, you know, night's over. And, um, you know, 30 seconds later, we just like, we're kind of sitting on the top of this hill, the food plot. And then there's like some CRP grass and stuff on the other side. 
and you could just see like antlers like bounding <laughs> through this grass, just like coming right up to the food plot. And I think what happened was this buck, uh, probably the oldest one on his farm. I think he's seven and a half or eight and a half years old. I reminds Ben to go send in the teeth for that. Um, but he comes in there and he's like, all right, who's, who's in here chasing does grunting around. And, and, uh, he's, he came right where that other buck was and he was going to follow him. And, uh, I stopped him at like 35 yards and, and double lunged him. He barely made it out of the field. Um, but it was, uh, that was a good feeling. You, you never want to make a bad shot when you're around Levi. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, yeah. that was, that was a, that was a, a big relief when I saw that arrow hit home and, and, uh, knew it'd be a, a pretty quick recovery. I was going to say, so super man, cool buck, like super, uh, like great mass, like all the way out. They call him stubby. Cause he had like short, like stubby tines, but then this is like dagger of a, of a brow time that came up the middle, just a, an awesome buck. And Levi and Sam gave me a, a couple of sheds that they had found from that buck from, from years past. So we had a lot of fun that week. We had a, a great time. That's awesome. What an experience, you know, like you said, you can't, you can't mess up a shot running around Levi. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Levi was one of the individuals that I saw at ATA. I mean, this is the first time I've ever seen him, and I just looked at him, and I was just like, "Wow, yeah, okay." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't go up to him or anything like that. People were going up to him, and I just looked at him. I was just like, "Yeah, that makes sense of why he is what he is." You know, he's just <laughs> pretty, pretty cool dude, and it seemed like so. Um, that's awesome. And I, I, you say that middle October, like our trail cameras were telling the same thing. Bucks were yep. just hammering scrapes in the middle of October. Yeah, and it always seems like in Pennsylvania, I'm sure it's the same in other states as well, but there's that, that cold front in mm-hmm. mid-October that gives you a very solid chance at a mature buck, um, and it's being pretty consistent mm-hmm. from year to year, and uh, you know, there's kind of that dead period after that until the rut really kicks off around Halloween, I would yeah. say, um, yeah. depending on the year, but uh, that, that mid-October is just seems dynamite a lot of the years. That's a, that's a great point. We actually had like a 15 degree temperature drop, like right when we got there, um, it had been like in the eighties and it dropped down into the sixties, um, which is a significant change. Um, and Levi actually killed that same day. He killed his buck that same day in the morning. Um, so that, that little bit of weather change definitely got them on their feet. We couldn't ask for a better scenario in, in mid October. Heck no. And I think the cool thing about uh, your story, and we've talked about on our podcast, is even in Pennsylvania, you know, it's kind of known for not having mature, the biggest bucks, or, but, you know, your buck you think is around seven and a half, or you're going to get it age, you know, my, which, you know, was on private ground, but still Pennsylvania, and my dad killed a buck here on on, uh, public ground that was four and a half, five and a half, and even in Pennsylvania, you know, which isn't typical, we're starting to see the age range really creep up quite a bit, um, which is pretty exciting. I don't know if it's the same for you guys in your home states, which I'm assuming that it might be very similar as well. You know, you guys were talking about it, but for me, I think if I have the ability to or, you know, the temperature swing and, you know, pressure and weather, whatever, if that all plays out right, you almost that, that mid October, third week of October, if you, if all those cards come on the table correctly, like that's almost the best time to kill those deer because you know, the rut's great. They're up, they're moving, they're unpredictable, but like, that's it. They're unpredictable. Mm -hmm. You know, if you hit that swing, right. And you get those couple special days in October, if that deer's around, you kind of know what he's going to do. And I think you almost have as good of a chance of him slipping up, you know, especially an older age class buck, that time frame where you're in the right spot than you do, you know, on the rut sometimes. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Well, you talked about mid-October, and that was actually one of our, our next questions that we had, uh, was what is your go-to system during that middle end of October? Josh, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a October is always a tough one, and, and a lot of it depends on where you're at, right? Like, um, even, even where Greg and I, I – so I'm in Michigan. Greg's in Wisconsin. You guys are Pennsylvania, so, like, all more of that northern climate. But even – even you go to Ohio, you know, you can have a huge temperature difference between Michigan and Ohio. So um, for me, most of the time, if I'm in Michigan, like mid to late October, I'm, I'm typically running the catalyst system. Um, so the bibs on the bottom pants, or I'm sorry, the bibs on the bottom jacket up top. And then I'll, I'll usually just layer accordingly um, on the temp. Um, almost always have wick base layers next to skin. And then I kind of go up from there. If I need to, I'll add to it. Um, ran the catalyst uh, vest a bit this year um, with like a, a, a kiln or a Klamath underneath that um, just to kind of get some of that mid mid weight that I could add then the jacket to. Um, but that's, that's typically my system through October is, is the catalyst in some fashion or the other. Nice. Yeah. I'm not dissimilar, you know, I think because depending on where you are, you know, but in most states, whitetail states in October, you are, you do have such varying temperatures um, and varying weather that for me, like that time of the season, I need something that's super versatile. Mm -hmm. So the whitetail catalyst jacket and whitetail catalyst bibs, like that's what that provides me. Because if we get a, you know, a warm couple of days, say it's in the fifties or sixties, like I can just run wick base layers underneath that, you know, as my outerwear and I'm good to go. You know, if it's unseasonably cold, like we're talking about one of these October cold fronts, like I can run wick next to skin and then, you know, maybe a furnace um, <clears throat> over that. And then my catalyst, my whitetail catalyst bibs and jacket. And, you know, if need be, I could always throw like a solitude vest on or something over the top of that. But I think that jacket and bibs specifically because of how breathable it is, um, because of its overall product weight, you just get a ton of versatility where it's going to work in the 60s. Um, but it's also going to work if you get, you know, those high thirties or whatever, and you have the appropriate layers to go underneath. So it's kind of a, it's a nice like swing system for that, you know, time ramping up to the rut where the temps get a little bit more predictable and a little bit more consistent. Right. And I kind of, I want to build upon that. And I, you could even say, yeah, you're right. Or no, you're wrong. And, or, or however you see fit. But I think the one smart move that you did make was making the catalyst bibs because I really liked the pants um, however, just adding that extra layer kind of rising from your waist up to your mid of your middle of your chest, I think played a, a nice role of filling the gap for certain things because I felt like two years ago I wore my catalyst now again, because temperature ranges and varies, I feel like I wore my catalyst vest a lot two years ago. Whereas last year, I don't not this past season, but the last season, I don't think I wore it like one time. Like I wore uh my Klamath a ton. I actually wore my Uncompadre a lot from like from when we went out west, and then I wore my Solitude actually more so, and, and because it was a little bit colder. Um, but this year, I wore my Catalyst a ton, um, and I think it was just that extra layer of having it up up by my chest where I didn't get cold as as much. That was like another little extra layering. Um, so I think that was a really good thing that you guys did. Well, yeah, you get a little extra coverage in your core, mm -hmm. right? And if you can keep your core warm, it just adds even more in that temperature range of when that system is going to work. The other great thing about those bibs that I love is 
typically in the, in that season, like if you're walking in for an afternoon hunt in October, it's going to be fairly warm and it's going to drop off pretty quick. And with those bibs, a lot of times, like, you know, I'll have my bibs on and then maybe like wick base layer on top and call like a Klamath over that. And then I put my bibs on. So my bibs are my outermost layer. I get up into the tree, that jacket's in my pack for the majority of that sit. And the great thing with that, those bibs is that with, you know, with the jacket, you can go through the kit link into that pouch. But if you don't have the jacket on, I can still not wear gloves or wear mm-hmm. fingerless gloves and get my hands in that pouch and keep them nice and warm up until the point when I need to put the jacket on, right? And I still have access to it. But the bib almost functions as like one and a half pieces. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's not just pants. It's like that plus something. So you get a ton of versatility that way out of them too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just having that pouch, you know, for your hand warmers, I mean – and two, personally, I want a camelith hoodie with a pass-through <laughs> pelt patch yeah. to put your hands into, especially on those, you know, those early season that might get a little chilly at nighttime. Noted. I'll put it on the, <laughs> put it on the list. Yeah, I, it's what's actually funny is uh, I had I had a friend of mine last May. We I held a teach and train tour event for Tether outside of Philly. And we were just talking about the first light stuff. And he's like, man, I got everything. And he's like, hey, Carl. He's like, any chance you could sew on a, like, I'm going to give you my Klamath hoodie. And any chance you could, like, sew on, like, a little pouch for me to put my hands on. And he just started laughing. Um, I'm surprised, actually, Carl hasn't done something like that already. Because he's always doing stuff. He's probably got one in his closet. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. No, no, that's awesome. And, you know, speaking of that, I'll tell you what. I can't wait until... We we released the uh, the elite saddle because that thing uh, is is awesome. Actually, the first sit that I had in it, I finally killed a deer this past season in it. So I was like even more stoked. So I got home from ATA. I hopped in in the late season, and uh, that first night, boom! I finally got a shot off on a doe and put some meat in the freezer. So I was finally friggin' thrilled. That's a cool. I mean, functionally, it's awesome, right? Yeah. Like the the feature changes and some of the accessories and the overall like kind of trim level and package that you know is in that elite package is so cool and i think you know pairing that with the pattern to just get a little bit more coverage yeah. you know and the materials some of the materials that you know we shared with you guys on that stuff it's it's a really cool package that you know not only functions incredible but it looks pretty dang sweet no it definitely yeah. does and that's I'll, awesome i'll tell you what though even if you're on the fence and you don't uh, wear Spectre or anything like that, I highly recommend to buy that whole kit just for those the the uh, yep. the sis haulers, like the pouches. Yeah. They're they're different, so they're not like Tether's not going to release those separately or make like the normal ones like that. So they actually have a zipper on them. So if anybody didn't see pictures online from ATA or anything, they actually have a zipper on them halfway middle through. Uh, man, I, I I I can't wait for mind to, to come in so that's that's the one thing i'm i'm really really excited for so yeah look out for that elite it's gonna be a whole package and mvp backband you're gonna have the two uh sis haulers as well as the uh elite saddle so it's the phantom saddle um it's it's pretty pretty freaking sweet excited about that one all right let's move on so uh let's see what we got this one is uh, well, we'll stick with the saddle. Can you wear the hand muff while saddle saddle hunting? Oh yeah, it all season. <laughs> <laughs> Simple enough, all season. I like it. 
All right. Now, the great thing about that combo too is that you know, depending on you know, guys, depending on where you have your saddle situated and how you like to run your jacket, whether it's tucked in or over the top, or you know, the bottom zippers open, you know, there's just some variation in how different people run that saddle. The cool thing is with the muff is you can adjust it to always just be sitting in that perfect position. You know, so if like you like to rest your hands kind of on your saddle, you can have that muff ride a little higher. You know, depending on how your jacket's situated, if you want it like kind of down in between, like more on your waist, you can adjust it to fit in there. Um, it really is the, those two pieces together. You know, if you're primarily hunting out of a saddle, it's a great way to, you know, be able to not wear gloves or fingerless gloves um, and just kind of alter your system to work. Josh, how about yeah, you? Talk, I, talk about your experience with that. Yeah, I had no issues. I mean, um, I, I run a saddle, you know, regularly. Um, and I, any, you know, once that temp started to drop, I, I had that, uh, the hand muff on all season. I mean, I don't go sit without it. <laughs> and, uh, I tend to have mine above my bridge. Um, just a little, keep it a little closer to my course. I'm not under, I don't have to bring it around as I'm right here and close. Um, and I had no issues, uh, feeling like that was in the way or anything. I had no issues at all. Nice. Um, I was going to say something. The, the cool thing too, about that muff for people that <clears throat> are maybe questioning what it, what's inside of it. It's actually the same material as the sanctuary 2.0, correct? Yeah, correct. So basically it's the exact same, you know, we call it a sandwich, right? Cause you go from the lining out. But yeah, it's the exact same construction as the Sanctuary 2.0. So you're going to have that really nice fleece interior um, that feels great on your hands, whether you have gloves on or not. Um, 200 grams of insulation, or excuse me, <clears throat> uh, 200 grams of insulation throughout that entire piece. Um, and sandwiched between those um, layers of insulation, you got that windbreak as well. So you're really getting all the benefits of the Sanctuary 2.0 kit, you know, kind of in just like a muff accessory package. Heck Yeah. I, I love it. I think it's a, it's a great piece of gear. Uh, my dad actually stole it from me. So, uh, yeah, during rifle season and stuff, because I've, I've yet to convert him to a saddle. But, yeah, he's uh, he he was like, uh, can I keep this? I was like, go ahead, Dad. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's good. It's a, it's a great piece of uh, accessory. That's one that I tell people for sure if there's something they want to get as far as outside of – you know, getting the the clothing, grab that that hand muff because it's 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 a really nice piece. All right. Um, the other thing, the one that I got, and I I don't know how you guys can answer this, was your layering system in the southeast, especially when we can get all four seasons in a day. That's a great question. That's. I think a lot of that depends on you know, Southeast is a little general. It's like, how far South are yeah. you? You know, what time of season is it? But I think, you know, really the way the layering system always starts for me. And I think this applies even beyond the Southeast is like, I always have wick 150 next to skin. And the reason for that is it's Merino wool. Um, so it's going to help you regulate your body temperature really well, where if you're getting a little warm, you know, it's going to keep you cool. If you're getting a little cold, it's going to keep you warm. Um, but because it is a merino wool nylon blend, it's also going to wick moisture away from your body really well. And that's important on a number of levels. One, you want to get that moisture as far away from your body as you can so it can evaporate off, right? We don't want sweat next to us because sweat can start to sink, stink. It's also the thing that makes us cold. So you always want your base layer to be something that's moving moisture for you. 
Um, the benefit of a merino wool nylon blend base layer is not only is it moving moisture, but it's also helping you kind of thermal regulate um, your internal climate or your next to skin climate. So for me, that's like the foundation of any layering system is like get something next to skin that's going to help manage your moisture level. You know, and then beyond that, it really just kind of depends on temperatures. You know, if you're really far south and it's pretty warm, like on my bottoms, I still think, you know, the obsidians or these obsidian foundries are basically your best way to go because it is a merino wool pant. Um, it's going to do all the things I just talked about with moisture management and thermal regulation, but it's also going to be really quiet, right? Which is super important to us as uh, whitetail hunters. Um, mm-hmm. Also, wool does a great job of managing odor. So I think, you know, all of those things combined, that ends up being a pretty versatile piece, especially in the Southeast when you can layer underneath it if you need to or wear it standalone. Um, you know, beyond that, if you're, say, in the northern portion of that, that Southeast, quote, unquote, I think that's where the catalyst kit comes in that we had talked about earlier because that's a piece that, you know, if you're only wearing wick, you can be comfortable in the 60s in it. But if you got a few other pieces to layer underneath it, like I've taken that as my outerwear down into the upper 30s so that you get a ton of versatility out of that. So I know that's kind of general, but I think it applies to a lot of that region, um, you know, that, that you were talking about. Nice. Josh, how about you? Want to add to anything? Yeah, I mean, I think Greg and I probably are, are very similar in, in what our answers would be. And, and um, this is obviously not a, a southeast uh, scenario, but um, just kind of a little bit what Greg was talking about. Uh, I was hunting Idaho, not mm-hmm. southeast, but it was in the 80s and 90s, you know, out there where we were at. And we were wearing just wick top, wick hoodies and, and the obsidian boundaries because um, it's 80, 90 degrees when you're walking in, but the time that sunset and you're getting into prime time, it could be down into the sixties. I mean, the temperature changes so much out there so quickly. Um, you know, I always had like a, a, a Klamath hoodie or some sort of, uh, like, I think I had my catalyst jacket, in my pack the whole time too, or if I just needed a little extra, I'd just throw that on. Um, yeah, I'd always, I always have wick next to skin. And then as, as temperatures fluctuate, I'm, I'm like, um, notorious for always having too much stuff in my pack. Um, so I just like, I just had uh, stuff layers in there, right? Like whether it's a puffy layer or a, a shell or whatever, I'm just, I'm pulling stuff out as, as I need. Um, I, I need to get better about that. Just taking what I need. Um, but I'm, I'm an overpacker and everything I do. And, and that carries over into the whitetail woods too. So I'm, I'm always prepared to have some sort of little extra warmth if I need it. Talk about that foundry pant real quick, especially the obsidian, just because I know you have the original obsidian pants that you could, people could still buy, but then there's also the foundry pants, um, which I actually wore a ton of actually this year too from, I went to an early season Delaware hunt, um, got into some real thick, nasty briars type stuff, walking through some wet swampy areas and those did the job. It rained a ton too while I was down there. So, uh, they, they dried quick, and they were my kind of go-to pant uh, for, for that early part of the season uh, for me. So what were some of the updates to the Obsidian Foundry pant? Yeah, so what we did there is, you know, like I just talked about, merino wool is great for a whitetailer because it thermal regulates, it's quiet, manages odor, right? Those are super important things. Um, where merino wool can sometimes, you know, have a negative connotation or, or, you know, some people have a negative experience with it is because it's a natural fiber. It's inherently never going to be as durable as a synthetic fiber. That's just the way it is. Right. So you, you have your benefits, 
that's the maybe one drawback to it. So what we did with, you know, both the Obsidian and the Obsidian Foundry, we kind of took the Obsidian and any points in that pant that we would call like wear areas mm-hmm. or areas where you tend to put more stress on it or beat it up more, we basically just beefed it up with a super durable four-way stretch nylon. It's actually the same nylon we use in our corrugate pants. So we kind of took the Obsidian and made it a more durable version, uh, but we also kept the regular Obsidian because, you know, if you're somebody where scent control noise thermal regulation is the most important to you you may still favor that obsidian pant if you're not super hard on gear or if you're just walking in you know cut paths to your tree stand you're not bust brushing or busting brush things like that if you're somebody who wants all those benefits um, but you're willing to you know give up some you know cubic inches of the merino wool in your pant to gain a little bit of durability right then maybe the foundry is a better pant for you so you kind of get to pick and choose based off of like what your priorities are um, but also the way you hunt, where you hunt, et cetera, um, with those two pant styles. Nice. Now, what would you say, um, I had one of the questions were, what is your specific favorite piece of first light gear? Josh, you, you go first. <laughs> give it, Greg, Greg needs more time That'll to give think. give me some time to think. <laughs> if I had to, if I had to pick the thing that I probably wear the most, I like, Probably my all-time favorite piece is, is the Wick hoodie. I, I love the Wick hoodie. Um, it's hard to beat that because I'm wearing that essentially all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm talking like a, an outerwear piece, uh, man, um, I'll tell you what, most recent experience hunting North Dakota and negative temperatures, that Sanctuary 2.0 is absolutely bomb-proof in the late season. So I'm very thankful for that piece because that was uh, – that kept me alive, I think, out there in North Dakota. I like it. Well, Josh stole my first answer. <laughs> I think, honestly, if I had to pick one, it would be the Wick hoodie as well. I mean, it's just so versatile, right? Like, we hunted Kentucky last year for the opener, and it was 90 degrees. And it's like, that was the piece. That was my upper outerwear because you're going to sweat regardless going in. The sun, it's super hot. It's always sunny. Like, I can pull that hood up, get some relief from the sun. It provides, like great concealment for those hot weather hunts, but it's also the same piece I have next to skin, like underneath my sanctuary in the late season. So I just, I think I get the most miles out of that piece. Um, outside of that, you know, if, if I have to choose outerwear, I would go solitude. It's just like, yeah. for me, the solitude kit is if you're serious about whitetail, right? Like that's your super bowl kit. That's what you're wearing end of October, you know, through the middle of November, like all of the features of it were just, they're thought out to be a white tailor's dream. The amount of insulation, like the athletic nature of it, um, meaning that it's not bulky, but it's still warm. Just like all the features and benefits and just kind of like the whole package of that kit for me is, um, it's pretty awesome as, as somebody who likes to spend a lot of time in a tree from end of October through November. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. Right now is the perfect time to begin working on your shot process. I've mentioned it before, the importance of continuing to shoot during your hunting season. Well, now is the time to work out the kinks. If you struggle with target panic or you just want to get better, now is the perfect time. Blank bail right now. Take the scope off your bow and just shoot into your target without aiming and just get a clean break on your shot. Do this countless of times. Do it for the whole month of February. And if you're planning on switching things up or just simply looking to improve, Do that now. 
Yeah. What about you? What's yours? <laughs> Mine is definitely the solitude vest. Yeah. I mean, that was a home run for me, even though I didn't get to wear it a ton this year because we had warmer temps than normal. I just don't like bulk on my sleeves, um, but to keep my core temperature, uh, but that solitude vest was a home run. I mean, yeah. I just love that piece and I would even wear it more often if it, you know, especially in the cold, right? And especially in during the rut, being an archery hunter, I mean, you got your hand, your arms free, but I mean, that thing is warm. Yeah. No, I, for me, uh, uh, one of my favorite pieces, and I think kind of going back to like what I put a lot of miles on in is I actually put a lot of miles on that furnace, uh, my Henley, uh, just because uh, this year I kind of, I finally like listened to everybody and they're like, you know, don't wear certain pieces in. Like I always carried my jacket in, um, but I might've even just have like threw my catalyst jacket on and like had it unzipped and I would still like sweat. And, you know, luckily the pieces underneath me would dry pretty quick but you know you could have I could have still gotten cold a couple times well this year I walked in more so with just my furnace Henley on and my bibs and carry you know had something else in the pack whether it be my vest or the catalyst jacket with the uh, solitude vest on over top of that um, so I, I would say the one piece that I always recommend someone is, is that furnace I just love it dries quick um, I finally got him to buy one this past year and uh I was like, yes. I was like, you got that furnace. You got, you know, and I finally caved. I bought the the uh, the bottom pieces to it this year as well. Uh, so I love, love, love that furnace base layer. Uh, and then for my outerwear, I'm going to kind of agree with you. I, I think the uh, Solitude Vest solved a lot of problems for people that just, you know, even if it's 45 degrees, but you're, you know, you I, I have my furnace on. And maybe kind of like I kind of like what my go-to was up until that um, low 40s, like maybe in that mid 30s. If there was like no wind, I would go with that wick. I would go then uh, furnace, and then I'd actually throw on a Klamath uh, uh, quarter zip, and then I would put that solitude vest on top after I'd get to the tree, and I was I was fine. Every single time I would go out because you still have that pass through on the vest. Uh, so I, w- I would say you you guys nailed it. I was so, so happy when, when I saw that vest coming out. Yeah, that's a pretty versatile piece in terms of layering, right? Like you get a lot of miles. To your point, the combination of the furnace underneath that takes care of a lot of your, you know, in your upper 40s type of temperatures, but... Man, you could throw that on, you know, over with a Klamath or something else yep. underneath there too and really extend that thing, keeping your core warm but keeping all the bulk off of your arms. Yep. It's a pretty cool piece. We have, we have uh, Mike in the chat saying, Klamath hoodie all year long, anything catalyst. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. No, man, that's that's great. And I, you know, I kind of agree. Kind of that was a – I I finally busted out my solitude kit, I would say about like when, when we went hunting during the rut, like when I went home. And then during rifle season, the Sanctuary 2.0 was played a huge role because it was it was pretty cold. And I was like, "All right, let's see what it's about. Let's see if it if I could just wear my base layers and throw one jacket on, and it it did its job easily." Um, and right now, if you know our season's over, but if we had to go out, that Sanctuary would be great. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it's not it's not even that bulky. Like when you, when I hold that up to the solitude, it's not really that much. I would say, quote unquote, bigger. Um, 
So anybody that's, you know, if, cause I, I see a lot of people, they want that wind stopper in a solitude. Um, so I don't know what, like my answer when somebody asks me is as to why, if it's going to be that cold, that's why you would need the sanctuary. Um, but that's, that's what I would say. So I don't know. What, what would you say to that guys? Yeah. And I think the, the, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the sanctuary. It's, you want them in those temps, like the only way you're staying out in the woods is if you're warm. Mm-hmm. And when it's that cold and it's that windy, like you need to be warm. But if you look like the Michelin man, good luck drawing your bow back. <laughs> good luck getting into your tree stand. You know, like it's yeah. just, it's not functional, right? Especially for if you're hanging, you know, if you're doing a hanging hunt, if you're, you know, hanging a saddle and hunting, like you still need to be athletic. So it's pretty cool that you can go from the solitude you know, to the sanctuary, which has double the amount of insulation and a windproof barrier in it. And there's not a ton of difference in the way the pieces actually feel, you know, but you're getting twice the amount of insulation um, in that next step up. Nice. Well, kind of backtracking, it's funny because when I got the, the furnace this year, I was pretty excited about it. And I remember taking it, getting it home and taking it out of the package. And I remember my wife sitting there and uh, kudos mm-hmm. to you guys for making the conifer color so so nice that <laughs> when I pulled it out and tried it on, and she's like, "Wow, that's really nice. You could even wear that as an outerwear." So, <laughs> buying expensive camo and your wife does approves of it—that's yeah. a huge plus. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she took it. <laughs> no, she's like, I, you I could get a second one because my first one disappeared. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you could wear that out, and I'm like, uh, I don't think so. It's going to stay in my bin for hunting. But yeah, if you approve of it, I'm okay. Now yeah. you don't hate me for buying it. Yeah, yeah. My my wife always gives me a hard time. All I wear now is basically conifer and dry earth, like just every day. Yeah, just uh, like. Just color, earth tone color palette for me now. I get the same thing. I get the, oh, it's your uniform again. Or I, <laughs> I or like the first year when uh, I took her to Total Archery Challenge a couple of years ago, she's like, there's literally thousands of you, Jeremy, walking around here. I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the beard, the hat, and just, that, you know, the look of everything. It's just funny. Um, now, let's kind of, uh, one question, uh, Greg, what is the, someone asked, uh, what rock climbing harness were you wearing in that one picture, I guess, they found of you? Yeah, so I um, I typically use, the one I probably had on was a Black Diamond, was the brand, but a Black Diamond climbing harness. Um, and the thing I really like about that is, you know, it's fall rated, right? Like mm-hmm. the the heights and the drops that, you know, climbers are experiencing, if they're falling off of walls, it's the same height or greater than what, you know, we would be in a tree. And I'm, I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not, I don't know the science behind this, right? Like I'm not a OSHA certified fall expert, but for me, the reason I really like it is because it's only on my bottom half, as I do have to change layers on my top half throughout a sit, whether it's add layers, you know, if it's an afternoon sit or take layers off, if it's a morning sit, I'm not wrestling with, um, you know, any type of harness or I don't have to worry, you know, we have a pass through on all of our jackets, but I don't have to worry about a pass through or anything, but typically layering or de-layering a lot less during. He cut out on me. Josh, are you still there? Yep. I'm here. All right. <clears throat> I'm a, I, my, my heart like sunk there. <laughs> 
No, so I'm still here. All so right. Greg maybe just dropped out. Yeah, Greg just accidentally dropped out. So we'll uh so yeah, so he's talking about his rock climbing, his rock yep. harness climbing piece that he has. Um, which is he's actually hundred percent right with everything he's saying just because mm-hmm. we teach rock climbing in our in my school where I teach health and phys ed and that's actually one of the units I, I did today. Um but yeah, it's it you could definitely get away with it uh as well. Um, here he comes. I think we got him back. Let's see. Maybe, maybe not. Um, let me see if I actually, as far as like the listeners that, that was kind of the last other one that people wanted to know, Josh, you might be able to, to get in on it is, uh, any new pieces, obviously you can't say, you don't have to say what, um, but could people look for some new whitetail pieces in the 2022 line? Yep. Yep. We've got some new stuff coming out in the 2022 line, kind of TBD on the, on the dates on, on when those are coming out, but um, typically it'll be the summer time frame, I believe. Um, yeah, but we got a, we got some, some stuff coming out on the whitetail uh, side that I, I'm pumped about. Nice. Um, there, there's going to be some, some really cool stuff. Now that's exciting. Cause I know, you know, you guys hit a, usually too, when first light comes out with something, they, it, it's like an every other year thing. So that's why like when, when I started getting, I got a lot of actually like any new 22 line things coming. I'm like, I don't know, just because it's always seems like it's an every other year uh, piece, but that's cool. That that's exciting to know. And uh, people are going to be looking forward to that. Um, and then Josh, before we, we get off with you and, and everybody, yep. um, what would you say? It doesn't need to be first light related. What, uh, any new pieces of gear that you tried out this year that you really enjoyed and really liked being that this is our like mini series of, of gear that we're talking about? Um, I mean, one we kind of already hit on is that tethered saddle yeah. is sweet. Um, those, uh, those lacrosse boots, the, the arrowhead sports, um, inspector really enjoyed those this year. Super comfortable. Um, did a lot of hiking and walking in those, uh, this year and, and uh, those are great. Really, really enjoyed those boots. Nice, Greg. You're back. Yeah, sorry about that. No I worries, dude. No, no worries. I it was funny because I, as I was going on, I kept like moving my mouse because sometimes I bought this new. Uh, uh, what would you call this? I don't know. This like, a, like a laptop stand. Yeah, like a laptop stand for my for my laptop because we usually record on this table, and sometimes my computer, my Mac, like overheats. And even though like you're there, like you still like you don't drop, you would stay technically in the bullhorn thing, but I drop sometimes. So I bought this new stand thing that has holes and like as that was going on, I kept moving to make sure it wasn't me and Josh was still there. So all good, man. Perfect. Perfect. Sorry about that. No, man. So awesome, Josh. So so you got some boots and everything. Anything else that you tried out? Man, I'm trying um trying to think. Uh I gotta think about things I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the beauty, of, the beauty of having the the job yeah. perks, man. I love yeah. it. No, those are those are kind of the two main like like new pieces that I think are out now that um, I really enjoyed this year. Yeah, um, is it two main things? How many years have you been hunting from the saddle? Ah, uh, jeez, uh, four or five. Something nice. Like that. So you're four a pro. Five. You're a pro. Uh, well, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> Greg's over making a face get, like get the hang of it. Uh, that's awesome. Um, Greg, how about you? What was a, uh, a non first light piece of gear, um, that hopefully you, you hopefully will be a piece that we're going to actually have Taylor and the crew on here in the next couple of weeks, you know, that a new piece of gear that, that you'd like this year. Oh, that's a good question. 
Did Josh say the boots? Yeah, the jo- boots? yeah Josh said the boots. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, honestly, for me, one of the, the fun things that I messed around with this year was, you know, going away from like the traditional stands that people normally use, right, and then moving into saddle hunting. Um, I definitely fell in love and got more into kind of the moving every set, you know, doing a lot more hanging hunts, being more mobile. Um, but I did start messing around with some like super lightweight tree stands this year for the spots where you're doing like an all day sit Mm -hmm. and not that you can't do it in the saddle. Like there's just some spots that for me, I still prefer the tree stand over the saddle. I think they both have their place in the quiver. Um, so I messed around with uh, one of the Lone Wolf custom gear sets and then the Hunting Beast um, B stand. And it was really fun to have, like I said, you know, almost like three different things in my lightweight mobile quiver. And then, you know, depending on what tree, if I knew what tree I was going to be in, if I was going into an area that I'd never been in before, being able to like mess around with using those different tools, you would say, right, for the yep. different hunts. So I had a ton of fun interchanging between those two stands and my saddle all season um and just kind of messing with those for specific reasons nice what about that that bow sight you had on the bow sight you know the bow sight i don't know how much i can say about i will say that i did i mean i know people know about it now but there's some things that um i got to try out end of season that i'm trying to keep myself from talking about um yeah there's there's some pretty cool stuff happening in the site world um, that I'm sure, you know, if you don't know about it already, you'll know about it soon. Um, and people will be able to get their hands on sooner than later. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. The guys, they're going to be on, I think in like two weeks. So once okay. they're on a trip right now and uh, once they get back, they said they'll, they'll re up and come, come on. So we're excited to talk about that. Well, and I'm always like, especially just because uh-huh. I know how, careful we try to do it our <laughs> stuff. It's like when it's somebody else's stuff if they give me the privilege to test and provide feedback i'm yeah. always like 10 times more careful it's like i know a lot of this info is out there but like maybe this one thing isn't i want to make yeah. sure i'm not the guy that leaks it <laughs> no what's what's funny is i remember when you and i first met at the at in harrisburg two years ago and uh you're like, man, if you like whitetail, if you hunt your big whitetail hunter, just, just wait, just wait. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, like what's coming out. And, um, I'm trying to think of what was even released. It was something small. And I just remember you being like, that's not even it. And I was just like, <laughs> oh man, like, come on, you know, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Now there was, there was a, a ton of new gear. Jeremy, yeah. Go ahead, oh, man. Sorry. I say, Jeremy, I could say the same thing to you right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's what Josh, when you got kicked off, I asked Josh, I said, one of the other questions that was asked, I said, is, I said, I know you're going to say like to be determined, but like, could people expect some stuff coming out for 2022? And he was like, yeah, <laughs> that's all he said. Yeah. So he's not in trouble. Yeah. yeah if uh, let's put it this way, I was, I was the most excited I've ever been about first light and whitetail releases in 21 with the pattern and some of the new pieces and 20, my feelings about 22 Trump, my feelings about 20. Oh, oh, shit. <laughs> Just empty our bank accounts now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm so glad that my wife doesn't like use my computer because it's like, my account saved on there. So if she would go on there and look up and see like what, cause that's the only downfall about your website. When you go on your account you could see your past purchases. <laughs> oh man. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. That's great. And like I said, as far as first light goes, man, that that's all two vests was, a, was a 
home run for me. I, I really enjoyed that piece. There was a couple pieces that I did get in Spectre that um, uh, just just because for un, for for layering purposes, because of that vest, you know, like if I usually wore like say a Confer Klamath or whatever, um, I did go and get a uh, Spectre pattern just because I knew that might be my outer arm piece and you know obviously yeah you don't have to matchy match but you know some people do so i'm one of those dudes um but but yeah so uh i'm trying to think any anything else that we you were this was your first go around in the saddle yeah this was my first year in the saddle and and that's what i was going to say like to to have a, a camo uh company you know it's probably difficult even now that there's different ways to you know, be in a tree, right? Mm-hmm. You got the saddle, you got traditional stands, you got ladder stands. So, you know, you got to tailor your, your camo, you know, like where's the muff pocket? Is it low? Is it high? Is it going to fit someone that's in a saddle or someone in a tree stand? You got to kind of tailor that to mm-hmm. everybody, right? You know, the saddle guys don't need a the harness pass through, but then if you're in a church traditional tree stand you need that right yeah um so you got to kind of think of all aspects which probably makes your job a little bit more difficult yeah it's also what makes it fun though right like it's those it goes back to even the pattern it's it's you know small percentages if we can tip them in our favor make somebody sit more comfortable their experience better and there's always room to innovate you know like there's always room to make things better um and that's what's kind of fun about our job is just we're never going to get to a point where it's like, Oh, we've done everything. So every year you kind of get to hit the reset button and go back to the drawing board and figure out what works, what doesn't, how to make things better than they were before. And at the same time, you have textiles that are evolving, um, becoming better. You have insulations that are evolving and becoming better. Um, you know, all the pieces to the puzzle are evolving along with the gear and it's kind of the special sauce, right? When you can get them all together. Um, and that's constantly changing. So, it's a pretty fun situation to be in. It's a good problem to have for sure. Heck yeah. In the message somebody said, uh, all my fusion fusion just went up on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. No. Well, uh, do you, you got one more? So, you know, you, you talked about last question here, but you talked about the, the wicking system being kind of priority for you, but you know, someone that, that wants to get into first light and obviously not everyone has the ability to, you know, get the full kit, right. You know, get the furnace, the base layer, get the catalyst, get the solitude. Um, where do you recommend after just like maybe those wicking pieces that, that people go to, you know, are they going, you know, kind of building up from like the furnace to the catalyst, maybe to the solitude or, you know, are they going I mean, and again, this is probably regional based too is your answer, but like just in general, both of you, what is, what direction would you recommend people go if like, you know, for me, like sometimes it was like, I'm going to get two pieces this year and then two more next year and then kind of slowly build that up, which makes it a little bit more manageable because we want to buy good gear because we know it works. Um, How would you recommend people go about that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, you kind of hit on, on two things there. Like one, your foundation is really important. You know, what you have next to skin and what you build upon is super important. Um, I think from a whitetail perspective, because it's a less mobile, um, less high output, you know, and I'm speaking generally here, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of guys that 
put on a lot of boot miles in the mountains by you guys that would argue that I'm I'm incorrect, which I totally get. But I'm speaking for the you know the the 90% here. Um, I would say, you know, what I would suggest to people is find our outerwear kit that best suits the majority of the temperatures you hunt in. Right. So if you're if the majority of the time you spend hunting is 50 plus degrees or 45 plus degrees, go with the whitetail catalyst system, because I'm guessing if you're looking at our gear and you're getting serious about, you know, spending more money on new gear, like you probably have some other pieces in your system that you could then use, you know, the layer underneath that. Right. But you're kind of working from the outside in. If you're somebody who spends most of their vacation time, you know, late October into November, like, get a solitude kit, use some of the stuff you have to layer underneath it during those really cold days. And then next year, you know, start building that mid layer and base layer pieces underneath it. Um, if you're somebody who hunts in the Southeast and like the majority of your stuff is 60 plus, it's like, get yourself a pair of obsidian foundry pants and a wick hoodie and maybe like a Klamath, like one other kind of mid layer. Right. And like, make the majority of the temps you spend hunting, like build a kit for that and then slowly start adding pieces for the other ends of the spectrum would kind of be my suggestion. Awesome. Josh, anything yeah, you want mean, to add on to that? Yeah. I mean, Greg pretty much hit the nail on the head. There is, is essentially what I was going to say, kind of determine when you're doing the majority of your hunting. You know, if you're a, a guy or gal that's primarily hunting the rut or November when you can, um, when a lot of people are taking time off, yeah, go to solitude kit. Um, if you're, if you're hunting in the South or warmer climates, look at, you know, the obsidians or, or catalysts, depending on where you kind of fall in there. Um, and also kind of know your, um, body and how you handle different temperatures. I mean, everyone's different, right? Every, everyone runs a little bit hot or a little bit cold depending on, on their specific scenarios. So, um, I think depending on, on where you're at, just kind of look at the, like our website has, has temperature ranges for all our stuff. So, you know, use that as kind of like a, a base and then uh, kind of apply like what you know about yourself and, and the temperatures that you handle well and that you don't handle well and build accordingly. Yeah, and I'll say too, to go off of, you guys crushed the whole marketing thing this past year with your, uh, the system, like, you know, the somebody, somebody standing there and breaking it down of, of the layers system. That was awesome. I think that hopefully solved a lot of a- answering questions from your end um, just because I think that that, that's what I would even recommend. You know, I get honestly of all the things that I get asked as far as like our podcasts or running my Instagram page or anything, the things that I get probably most inquired about is the first light gear, um, which is awesome, you know, and I love it. So it's, it's a lot, you know, now the saddle thing's picking up a little bit, but uh, it's, you know, just from experience, just because of, I, I, I wear it, I believe in it. And, you know, so it's, it's just uh, a good thing. And I, again, go off of that, those pictures that are on the website, because it, it, it does help out a lot. Like uh, we have a listener, Jonathan, he says he's trying, but slowly building his kit and he's out hunting out of Southeast, Western North Carolina. So kind of, again, kind of that mountain, little rocky range a little bit and uh, you know, getting in some warmer, but also could get in some cooler temperatures. So yeah, and I, I, one thing to add to, not to drag this on too long, but I think it partly depends on what your budget is too, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you got a little extra coin to spend this year, um, go ahead and, you know, grab an outer piece. If if you can only get, you know, one maybe mid-layer or base layer and, you know, you don't have as much um, extra money to spend on your hunting gear this year, like get one of our merino wool base layers or mid-layers and, you know, use it 
wear it to the gym, wear it, you know, if you're into hiking, like hiking it, you know, if you trail run, trail run, and if you ski, ski in it, because I think, you know, that's part of, you know, really understanding a full system is understanding like how well these really high end textiles can work and how they work in these, you know, varying environments too. And you, you can get a lot of bang for your buck with some of these pieces where it's like, mm-hmm. it can replace two or three other pieces that you would need to buy right. and maybe start building your kit that way. Yeah. And I would, I would recommend too, for people you're, I, this is going to be the third time Dimitri's going to laugh here in, in a minute when I say it, but you get, there's going to be people that got to have the new, new and uh, you know, they sell something that they already have maybe take, taken great care of, but they want to buy that newest and greatest thing. So, you know, they just sell off something that they already had and look, look at those pages, you know, so that way people could, you know, that might be a, a route someone goes. Cause somebody might just say, Hey, I just need a hundred bucks to put towards this because I have whatever. And then, you know, you could buy a nice second offhand and piece like that as well. If, if, if you're someone struggling financially, that that's a good route to go as well. So awesome fellas. Well, anything else that you want to, I think we covered everybody that, that had like the, the good questions and uh, man, I just love I, I, what I'm excited for is how well this went. First off, I, I hope you guys had fun because I'm thinking like when white, like when Josh was talking about the whole, his hunt in, in, in PA, I was getting like all giddy inside. I'm like, all right, Greg, I want to hear about Kansas, but I know we don't have yeah. enough time for that. But um, you know, when, when the time gets closer to, to hunting season, I know hopefully by that point in time, you guys would have another evening free and obviously you could do it separately again, or we could do it together. Uh, I hope that, that you guys would be willing to come on again and, and talk a little bit how your season went and maybe some changes and things you got coming up here in uh, the next season. Yeah, man, we, uh, I appreciate you having us on and it's always nice chatting with you. I know we didn't get to bump into each other as much face to face as we typically do. So it's nice to at least get to chat, uh, via video here and catch up a little bit. (laughs) Heck yeah, man. Yeah, certainly appreciate it. Thanks guys. No problem. Well, everybody, thank you again for tuning in. Thanks for everybody too asking the questions and, uh, being involved with this one and, and staying on with us here throughout this time. And, uh, definitely check out first light. You got firstlight.com. You can check out their Instagram. Uh, they put on some, some videos too, as well as on YouTube. So definitely check them out and, uh, check Josh and Greg out They're They're awesome dudes. And it's why I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. We're very lucky to, to, to have you on and, uh, to have you as a resource and a reference. And, uh, so thank you guys for that. So everybody tune in. This one will go, if you're still on and you're still listening live, this one will air next Wednesday. Uh, but hopefully give that one a download and a listen again as well. So thank you again, everybody till next time. Antler up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Definitely check us out over at Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, as well as Go Wild. Have a great week, everybody, and Antler Up.